Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Praise the Lord, everybody. Just for a moment, can we give that up to the Lord and thank Him for His goodness, His mercy, and His grace. But for the grace of God, there go I. Praise the Lord. What a privilege it is to be in the house. If you would go with me in your Bibles this morning to the book of 1 Peter chapter 1. And it's an honor to have my precious mother in love in the house this morning. And uh, I guess I have my own little cheering section this morning. You, you might ought to let me start preaching more often if we can gather this kind of people together. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Seriously, I just want to talk to you from my heart this morning, and it may be more just talking from my heart than preaching, but if you'll, uh, if you'll just stay with me this morning, and I'll share some things that might be sort of personal, uh, and I'll ask you not to judge me too harshly. How many have all the faith that you want? You don't need any more. You're content where you're at. You're confident that you've got what you need. I don't see a hand in the house, so this ought to, to help you. If you've got all you need, go ahead and get on Amazon and check your cart or get on Facebook because this won't help you one bit. But uh, if you need some more faith, I hope this will. First Peter 1 and verse 3. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again, unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time, wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations." And here it goes, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perish, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen ye love, and whom though now ye see him not yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of of your souls. Praise the Lord. Oftentimes, Brother Williams, he will be a, our go-to man to preach on faith. And Brother Larry often preaches about great faith. So this morning, if you'll help me, I'm going to join them and preach from this subject of faith that won't fail. Because in these last days, it's faith that's going to keep us. When you take your last breath here on earth, it's faith that gives you the assurance of knowing Everything's going to be okay because I know where I'm going. And, and I pray that today that 
we would all have the kind of faith that will not fail us when we need it most. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, I love you. And I am so eternally grateful for the privilege to be in the house this morning. Thank you for the spirit that we have felt this morning. I thank you for the word that has already went forth from Brother Everett Bird this morning. Thank you for the worship that we've had the opportunity this morning. And I just ask for the next few minutes, Lord, that you touch our hearts, you touch our minds, and you help us to hear the word. Lord, not only to hear, but to be doers of the word. And we will give you praise for that in the name of Jesus. We pray, God bless you. Before you're seated, turn to your neighbor and say, Church is better because you're here. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Inevitably, suffering is a part of life. And it's a part of life that I think we would all agree that we do not enjoy. I, I prefer the fair weather of life, and I'm not too interested in the storms that seem to continue sometimes to blow my way. However, the reality is, is that we are in a world that is broken, and hard times come whether we want them or not. And that's one thing I love about the Bible is that it's a book written by real people serving a real God that had real problems. And I can go to this book, and it's in this book that I, I find hope. It's in the reading and the understanding of this book where I find that my faith can begin to grow. And I think every one of us could relate to the words of David in Psalm 22 and 1 when he penned, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me and from the words of my roaring? And sometimes we find ourselves right here. And if we're honest, we even find ourselves asking, here I am living for Jesus, trying to love Him with all my heart, all my soul, and all my mind. And yet all of this stuff keeps piling on me. It keeps happening. What did I do to deserve this? And Scripture gives us many reasons for suffering. And I have searched from Genesis to Revelations. And what I see, I sometimes do not like. Because I see people's faith in God really growing as they go through hard times. I see their faith increasing more and more as they are tested. And I wish the examples were different, but they are not. In the consideration of trials that come our way, Peter said these trials will show that your faith is genuine. It's being tested as fire test and purifies gold through your faith is far more precious than gold. We grow in strength by working and testing our bodies. We grow in school by working and testing our minds. And we grow in God when our faith is worked and tested. And I don't know about you, but I often forget that the faith that I have inside is actually worth more than gold. Our faith is valuable, and it becomes more valuable as it gets tested. And we must learn not to waste our suffering, but to use it to increase our faith. Faith, the Bible says we all have a measure of it, but what is it? Webster defines faith as a complete trust or confidence in someone or something. 
Have you ever looked at other people and you think that they have more faith than you do? They have more testimonies than you do. God has done more for them because of their faith. You hear other people's theories on faith and sometimes you begin to doubt whether you have any faith at all. Or you talk to someone like Brother Wayne Williams and you just thought you had faith. But do you got enough faith to pray that a car will crank even though the battery's dead? He even prays if there's not a battery in the car, then it'll crank. He prays for it to keep running even though it ain't got no gas. And he'll pray for a little deceased animal to rise up and walk. And I envy that. I envy that. God help me. God help me to have more faith. And when it comes to the subject of faith, that's all right. When it comes to the subject of faith, is it only a matter of having it or not having it? No. The Bible is clear that there are degrees of faith. Jesus described some people of his day as having little faith and others having great faith. So it's good to ask ourselves, how much faith do we currently have? And how dedicated are we to increasing faith? And our faith needs to be growing because we all agreed at the beginning that none of us, none of us have enough. And this also means that faith can be measured. It is measurable. All faith is faith but the measure is not the same. So how is it possible for some people to have great faith and others to have little faith? After some study, I believe that the Lord has given me at least one answer to that question, and that is that a person's faith has been tried. Or, or let me say it like this, if they have seen a crisis and endured, therefore they have had their faith increased. A crisis of faith is where God causes or allows you to know to absolutely be tested. Where God pieces together a sequence of events or uses a chain of events that will cause you to go within yourself and examine your faith in ways that no other event can. A crisis of faith is a shaking of your faith. In Hebrews 12 and 27, the writer said, And this word yet once more signifieth the removing of those things that are shaken as of things that are made, that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. And what the writer is speaking of here is the removal of less or weaker things out of our spirit. He's talking about being shaken. Has anybody here ever been shaken? Something hits your life that you have no answers for. Something transpires that you wasn't expecting. Something comes along and completely flips your world upside down, whether perhaps it's your kids that went astray or perhaps you're having financial issues or your marriage may be experiencing trouble or perhaps you've had a diagnosis of cancer or some other disease come your way. But when God shakes our faith or when He rocks the pillars of our foundation, it's only to remove that that cannot go where He's trying to take us. God's not out to get you or, or to get me. That's why He allows a shaking of our faith to, to rid us of that, which is not really faith at all. He does this and He allows this 
not to weaken, but rather to reveal, to remove and to restructure our faith or to strengthen our faith, if you will. The definition of a crisis is a stage in a sequence of events at which the trend of all future events is determined. Everyone experiences times of crisis. I'll repeat that. Everyone experiences times of crisis. It rains on the unjust and the just. And God's not picking on you. Don't let the devil tell you a lie. You know, one of the greatest misconceptions of being forgiven of your sins and baptized in the name of Jesus and filled with the Holy Ghost is that once you've done this, then life is just a walk on top of rose petals. And nothing could be further from the truth. All the Holy Ghost does and all that the, among many things that it does, the Holy Ghost gives you the strength to face things that's going to come your way. John 16 and 33 makes it clear when Jesus said, In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, because I have overcome the world. So whether we like it or not, a crisis is part of life. We're struck by tragedy, and we have to deal with grief. We are taken advantage of, and we have to deal with anger. We're ripped off, and we have to deal with rage. We're abandoned. We have to deal with bitterness. We lose everything and we have to deal with failure. We come in second. And we have to deal with defeat. We experience repeated setbacks and we have to deal with poor self-image. The problem is not so much encountering the crisis, but the problem is just finding the right way to deal with it. The question is not will a crisis happen. The question is when is it going to happen? And then the question becomes, what will you do when it does? Crisis come in all shapes and sizes. They come suddenly. They come slowly. They come when least expected. They come to the rich and they come to the poor. It come as a fire for three Hebrew boys. It come as a desert for Moses. A crisis come in the garden for Jesus. A crisis come for Paul when he was in a storm. For Daniel when he was in a lion's den. There are many here today that has dealt with crisis either in your home or your marriage or perhaps a hospital. And even our young people experience crisis in school. That's why now more than ever, if you don't hear anything I say today, hear this. Our young people are facing unimaginable things. Things that you and I could never imagine sitting in school having to see, to hear, or to watch. And so now more than ever, if you don't have anything to pray for, pray for our young people because they need it. And when a crisis hits, there is one thing for sure. When you experience a crisis in your life, and I'm talking about, I think you understand that I'm talking about real crisis today. I'm not talking about being out of milk and bread or, or things such as that nature. But there is one thing for sure. No matter the outcome of the crisis, you will never, ever be the same again. No matter what direction you go, you are changed forever. And how many have found themselves in a place like that? I, I think we all can agree. Over the past 11 months and 13 days and 22 hours, I have found myself in a crisis. In a season, if you will, where my faith has been tested. 
a crisis that tests your faith often puts you in a sort of a, a funk, for a lack of a better word, or you feel like you're stuck in quicksand and you can't seem to get out. The more you try, the more you sink. It's a place where all you thought you knew is no longer what you're sure of. Your exclamations become question marks. It's where cl- cliches won't get it, $3 prayers and half-hearted dedication won't cut it. Where a pep talk or a flashy sermon won't give you the answers that you need. It's a time where presumption and faith have had an encounter. And it isn't like you saw it coming. And you find yourself telling God, I believe, but help my unbelief. What do we do? What do you do in this uncertainty? Do I retreat? Do I drift? Do I wait? Do I continue business as usual? My brother-in-law is here this morning and we have a crisis or a problem on the job, whether it's a mechanical or a labor issue or whatever it may be. We have to address it. It don't matter if we don't understand it. There's no one else to call. It's him and I and the problem has to be fixed. Not getting it fixed is simply not an option. And so it is with our faith in God. Just because I don't get it or don't understand what he's up to or what he's doing in my life, it is no excuse to back off or to give in or to give up on him. But rather, in a time of crisis, it's more now than ever. It's a call to press in and know him in ways that I've never known him and draw closer to him than I've ever been in my life. Knowing that even if and when I get it, there still may be some things that I don't understand. But quitting is not an option. Trusting Him. Trusting Him and putting my faith in Him is a must. Barbara J. Winter said, When you come to the edge of all the light you know and are about to step off into the darkness of the unknown, faith is knowing one of two things will happen. There will be something solid to stand on or you will be taught how to fly. A crisis will reveal your power source. That which you place the greatest trust in is revealed when you face a crisis. And therefore, our place of trust must be greater than the test or it will break you. It's not able to stand the stress. We're not able to stand the stress of a trial alone. The writer said, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. One author said it like this, life is lived forward and understood backward. C.S. Lewis said, you can't see anything properly while your eyes are blurred with tears. Finally, one writer said, sometimes he calms the storm and sometimes he calms the child. But in this life, it will take a faith that won't fail to make it. Things that you can never dream of may hit you. And when they do, what will you do if your faith is not rooted and grounded in God? I'm going to ask our musicians to come this morning. What I'm about to share with you is merely a a personal testimony. And uh, I know my audience today and I feel that you will receive it that way and not that this is some sort of... um, a boast or a, 
or an attaboy or a pat on the back to any anyone. But uh, not too long ago, a friend of mine in conversation, we was talking, uh, and he asked me how I was doing, and we talked a bit, and his reply at the end was just he couldn't understand how people keep their faith in hard times when, when serious things hit their life. And please know that he, he wasn't questioning God. He's, he's a Christian also. But what he was meaning is that he doesn't understand why God does the things that he does to the people he supposedly loves. He says he loves us. And he says he cared for us. We all know in the house that he created us. So if he loves us, how come we experience some of the things that we experience in life? And I begin to share with him how our pastor often mentions that all the heroes of faith are not all mentioned in Hebrews 11. There are some that have gone on before us that blazed the trail that made it possible to experience what we've experienced in this house this morning. There are some that are still alive today that are missionaries and evangelists, true, true heroes of the faith. And he agreed and understood Hebrews 11 and all the faith that Enoch and Noah and Abraham and Sarah and all the others had. But he said, sometimes you just want to see great faith firsthand. You want to touch it and feel it and experience it for yourself. So then I shared with him what I'm about to share with you. And I told him that I watch this almost every day. And on bad days, I watch it more because it reminds me of just what my pastor says about the heroes of faith, because what you're about to see is my greatest hero. It increases my faith, and along with the help of the Lord, it has put a determination in me that I will not give up. I will press and pray harder than I ever have before. I will work as hard as I can to have faith, just like she did, a faith that won't fail. I'm sharing this as an illustration, and there are many, many in the Bible that I could refer to this morning, but I did pray about this, and it is something that's very precious to me. I wouldn't trade all the gold in Fort Knox for it. And I'm going to show you a short two-minute clip of about a 15- to 20-minute worship service that took place on March 18th, 2022. Early that Friday morning, hours before, this, we had been given the word that unless a miracle took place, that her life was almost over. She had slept a while, and as I sit there and watched her, and I prayed, and I asked God why, and I was mad. I'm just being honest. And when she woke up, she wanted to worship one more time. And that look of determination and faith in her eye pricked me in my heart. That why couldn't I have that same kind of faith at this moment? I'm not a picture taker or video person. Jenny was always the one taking pictures. But for some reason that morning, I picked my phone up. And I began to record for the next 20 minutes worship that I had never witnessed. And I'm so glad I did. But of course, it has shown me what it's like to have great faith, even when facing death. And again, 
This is not a boast, but this is just merely a testimony. So I want you to watch these next two minutes. My friend said, when he asked about that, and I said, I'll, I'll give you a glimpse of what great faith, what great faith is. And I shared this with him like I'm going to share with you this morning. I'm going to ask you to stand this morning. And as they begin to play in a closing song, I challenge you this morning. If your faith is not where it needs to be, I wouldn't leave this house till it was. We've been given a tremendous opportunity to be in the presence of the Lord. And there's nothing no greater than being filled with the Spirit of God, being baptized in His precious name, and knowing without a shadow of a doubt where we'll spend eternity. I'm going to open these altars this morning. And you are, you can make an altar where you stand. And we're going to go to the Lord and we're going to ask Him to search our hearts over. And if the faith that I need to sustain and to make it to where I know He's promised me we can go, I'm going to ask Him to, to build my faith, to increase my faith. Would you pray with me this morning? I need some seasoned saints to, to help us this morning reach the throne of God. We thank you, Father. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. 
Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.